Welcome to the Fit to Talk podcast. Yes, you just found the number one health and fitness podcast for performers, and you're listening to a guest episode during which we discuss the realities of a career in the performing arts with people who are fit to talk about them. Yes, and if you like what we do, please leave us a review or on Spotify, click that follow button. Mm, if you follow mm. us, we're back up to five stars, so it's, uh, it's we are. for us. We'll Huzzah. talk about it on another episode. <laughs> also, if you like our meaningful, helpful and accurate information and want to be coached by us, then maybe Fit to Perform is for you. Yeah, you can find out more information on Instagram or over on our website. Mm, moving on, we have two... Two incredible guests for you today. Yeah, you are not wrong. For the very first time, we got a double guest episode, mm. and it is an absolute banger. Now, they don't really need an introduction, but I'm going to do one anyway, because that's what I do. Uh, <laughs> so first off, we've got none other than the Tony Award-winning Francis Raphael. Now, Broadway World summed her up like this. I'm going to read it. Accurate. Frances Raphael is a wild woman, one of the most fascinating singing actresses and artistic storytellers in the business of show. The Tony Award winner for the original Les Miserables has spent her life captivating audiences. On the stage, off the stage, in the clubs, on the internet, Frances Raphael is a true blue original. Wow. Wow. And she's done it all. She's done Roxy in Chicago, Queenie in the Wild Party, and Piaf in Pam Gems Piaf, yeah. even Birds of a Feather. Yeah. She's a recording artist, composer, and writer. I mean, this is like the prologue of the book. That is her CV. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then her partner in talent is none other than Norman Bowman, or Bosey, who's also got a CV as long as a Chekhov play. But <laughs> He's made a career of playing every single leading man you've ever heard of, uh, including Marius and Les Miserables. Danny in Greece, Monk Strapping Cats, Tony and West Side Story, Billy Bigelow and Carousel, Sky and Guys and Dolls, and so many more, including some very sexy Shakespeare in there too. Yes. yes. Uh, they are a painfully attractive duo as yeah. well. Yeah, they if we really can just are. objectify them for yeah. a moment. Sorry, I didn't ask their permission to do that. But, <laughs> Take a um, moment. But my goodness me. Uh, yeah, please enjoy the wonderful Francis Raphael and Norman Bowman. Let's start with the gloves. I'm, intri I'm intrigued <laughs> by the gloves. It's a cold day. Before we go into we are actually already recording. Just so you are know, we so great? So okay. Yeah. Always recording. Always be recording. <laughs> Always be recording. <laughs> so one of the things that we ask all our guests to do is see if they can tell us a lie at some point during each episode. And we like to ask our listeners to see if they can guess. And we'll have a guess at the end as well. Uh, okay. If you can slip. You never know. It. You never know. There might be one. That's right. We'll see. Oh, or two. Or two. Or two. It's just a few. Yeah, it's, I find it hard to lie because my whole thing about life is being truthful. So you don't have to. I only tell little white lies if I don't want to hurt someone. Excellent. Uh, well, act. <laughs> yeah, we'll consider it an acting challenge yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or you can just rely on Norman to do it for you. Yeah. I could tell one for us both. Oh, and are you going to do that test thing like where you do this or that? Yes. There, there is Can we do it oh, just cool. with Bosey instead of me? Yeah. Is that all right? Yeah. He's really fast. Otherwise, you'll be here all day with me. I'll be going, That might make it more entertaining. We watched oh, Sebastian okay. we last night. Oh, we could do both. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, that's fun. Yeah. 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 It's really fun. We've got we one for each of you. Up and down. I'll do both. All right, then. I might take ages. If it takes ages, we could always go. Yeah. Seven minutes. About all the gaps. There we go. We'll hear your thought process through each one of those things. Okay. So, let's. Let's kick off with the gloves then. Yeah. Tell us the glove story. <laughs> oh, because it's so cold today. Yeah. Um, I do have these gloves. They're um, 
they were set, when I did Les Mis in America, before we went to Broadway, we did Washington, D.C. So I was 21 years old, first Christmas away from mum and dad's. And they sent a stocking, which miraculously arrived on the 24th of December. And in the stocking were these beautiful little mittens, which used to have strings on. Um, so I didn't, you know, so I wouldn't lose them. But somehow it's been like they've been without strings for about 20 years. So we're talking, look, let's be honest here. I'm 58 and I'm not ashamed to be 58. So I was 21. This is how old these gloves are. Older than you. So um, <laughs> they're in better nick well, than my current gloves. They've had a bit of a moth attack at some point, and they've actually got a really convenient hole now because these are before mobile phones, but now I can use the mobile <laughs> phone. This one. I don't know how I still got them, but I still have and I love them. That's amazing. That's incredible. <laughs> do you actually use them? I do, yeah. So you've used them for that period of time? Yeah, I, they, like, I have. Not every day, but I sort of have had them like by the front door or in a coat yeah. pocket or in the car. That's what's all the more miraculous, though. They were gloves, umbrellas, big pens. They're the kind of things that belong to nobody and end up being lost, right? Yeah. 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 The fact that you have managed to hold on to them for that long. Just shows I have got a brain. Who's saying that you don't? Voices in our uh, is that to Norman or to the voices in, in, in <laughs> 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 everything down. I actually I do, I do, have a, I do have my umbrella, my favourite umbrella I still have as well, and I've had that for 20 years. Okay, this is a skill. A skill yeah. I don't have. Yeah. No, I can't I can't keep hold of anything. Um, umbrellas are gone. I have umbrellas for like three months and yeah, then you constantly yeah. lose umbrellas. I, I actually make a habit of not using them because I think I'll lose them. Yes. So they're by my door looking fantastic. But gloves, no, they disappear all the time for me. You have to love them. That's where I go wrong. I had this thing with sunglasses. I was like, every time I got like cheap sunglasses, lost them instantly. Yeah. Bought a nice pair of sunglasses. I was like, no, I'm just going to treasure yeah, them the yeah. whole time. I never lose them. It's There is something about Fair. that, something you, something you really like, something you treasure. And that's you're, true. You're not going to misplace. But, but also, but, but all these are so occasional. And yeah. you, you have to kind of remind yourself you've got one extra thing with you that day. That's the yeah. point, isn't it? But why don't they um, sell them with a the little tag? Well, we could put our little tag. We could put like an Apple tag on. Or like the AirTag. Yeah, 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 yeah. You've stolen my... That is my... <laughs> 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 yeah, they're walking down the street with them. Oh. <laughs> By the way... It's not that they're important or anything. It's just yeah. they're a pain in the arse to lose and they cost money. By the way, for anyone listening from abroad and who's not in the UK, uh, it's... Probably quite weird for us to say it's a, an occasional thing to have an umbrella, but it is. <laughs> it really oh, is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The assumption. It depends on where they're from, doesn't it? <laughs> if they're like, if they're yeah. Australian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they're Australian. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> You're totally right. Well, usually, this is our very first episode that we've had two guests at the same time. I think I mentioned yeah. that to you in an email. It's a special moment. So, our first question is normally, where does the story of your life begin? But that's quite complicated to do with two people. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's see if we can meld that together into one sort of beginning. Go on, uh, Stefan, I believe in you. Uh, <laughs> well, let me structure this in a, in, a, in, a, in a fascinating way. I guess, uh, how did you come to be here today? Oh, Together, I mean. Well, well, perhaps. Whatever. Uh, what does that question mean to you? Okay. You go first, babe. Okay. <laughs> Under the bus. There we go. So, once upon a time, back in 1995, I had just graduated from college and um, my first job was Les Mis and I was understudy Marius. 
And um, the contracts were much shorter then. They were about six months, um, which is such a joy. Yeah. Oh my God, it was amazing. <laughs> Can you imagine such a nah. thing? And, and they were asking you like four months in if you wanted to stay. And that was an easier way to decide if you wanted a year, of course. Now they ask you for a year and they ask you about five months in if you want to stay another year. And it just drives me nuts how much of a commitment that is. But back then, um, I was moving up from second cover to first cover Marius. And at that time, Frankie, uh, almost 10 years later, yes, was returning his eponym. She had a mortgage to pay. By her own admission. So she was, she was making a comeback. And um, uh, our Marius at the time was a guy called Mario Frangoulis, who's a dear friend of both of us, but certainly of, of Frankie's. And uh, well, Mario liked to go off at the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he'll be very happy that well, you're Well, you know what? <laughs> you, you must be first to admit it. I used to get a call on a Friday quite regularly going, do you want to go on this weekend? I'm like, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so I ended up getting on as Marius for quite some time. Anyway, yeah. we, we worked together way back then. Um, we're talking 28 years ago. Yeah. Coming yeah. up for 29 years ago. And, um, you know, obviously kind of liked each other anyway as, as, as human beings. And um, none of us really remember performing together a lot. <laughs> Not really. We must have. I know I did do it with We you. definitely did. We're like, did anyone photograph it or something? Yeah. <laughs> I have a theory behind that. When you do something eight times a week, it's very hard to remember lots of instances. Mm -hmm. it, yeah. can, it, kind of, it kind of comes to you as like one show almost. Yeah. You know, they're the bits of moments of the show that you then put together. Um, like when I when I did when I did Guys and Dolls with uh, Patrick Swayze, I had about six months with the man, but I could not tell you more than maybe one night of working with him. Yeah, because it all felt very very similar eight times a week. Yeah. So I'm gonna forgive us that uh, <laughs> being the age that we are. We do remember each other from oh, that God, time, yeah. but not oh, because actually. How it was to be on stage with each other. No. Maybe I blanked it because it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you did. Oh, Mario, come back. And <laughs> you were calling Mario. Damn it, Mario's not again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care where you are. I don't care who you're singing for. If you call Mama next Friday, I'm going to care. I don't know if that was the case. But what I do remember is the girls all went out uh, for a meal one, one time. And the next day... It was uh, really back to me that they had a little chat about who they liked. <laughs> the competition thing, yeah. Yeah, I think it was marks out of ten or something. Mm. Who they were given their ten out of ten mm. out of ten to, and uh, she gave me ten. Out of 10. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> we well now. Thank God. Yeah. Imagine back then you were like <laughs> yeah. ah, seven. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I would have been happy with yeah. a seven. I'll take a seven. Francis Riffel. Yeah, I've only even up to six, so. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take a mention. Yeah. <laughs> Some sort of uh, an honorary mention. But, uh, you know, <laughs> Frankie had, you just had your third child. Yes. Yeah. And I was engaged to be married. So we were in very different places in our lives, mm. you know. And, of course, there was you nothing. You a bit. Yeah, yeah, there was nothing. But it was very harmless. That's, that, you know, the backstage thing. We could teach other's parties <laughs> and things. Right. Before yeah. the meeting. Before you can't do that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, didn't we all? That, like, that's, <laughs> I think that's part of the, not part of the job, but part of the joy of it, right? Especially yeah. Especially back then. Yeah. Now, yeah. now, now well, listen, yeah. now we must pretend everyone is a, is a statue. Um, yeah. In the, in the yeah. lame sort of um, second act, do you hear people sing slow motion? and uh, everyone was like, 
doing the slow motion thing and touching people's arses. You're like, I don't remember that. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I do remember other untoward things like uh, there's a guy that used to walk around from dressing room to dressing room with a bag of hash brown hash brownies, <laughs> brownies cookie, not hash browns, hash cookies, and basically offering to sell them like like. Like that brazen, you know. There was a lot. There was a lot, of course, that used to happen that we couldn't really do now. Or possibly shouldn't be chatting about. Like the rock and roll days, you know. It used to happen. Yeah, it used to be much more. It just kind of happened, and that's changed quite recently. I feel. I don't know if you you feel the same thing. I feel like. When when I started, certainly when you started for the first five or six years, that was all still quite commonplace. Yeah. And then within within the last five or six years, it's been like a rapid change, yeah. or at least that's my perception of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because everyone has right. to be so careful mm-hmm. now. It's I understand that, but I also think it's sort of made us so beige. Mm. You, know? mm-hmm. you have to permanently be on guard for going. Oh, what could be perceived a certain yeah. way? Yeah, yeah. and there was, in a shame. world where in a world where we celebrate being open and honest and being free loving and, yeah. and, and and having like one of the best jobs in the world. Yeah. Mm. I mean we're all in the same camp there. You know, we're all kind of going, oh my God, isn't this incredible? And now we have to, yeah, unfortunately, watch every single thing that we say, do, feel, think. <laughs> yeah. Um and even act. I mean, you know, the passion is a little bit kind of tempered by too much reliance now on uh Validation, reviews, blah blah blah. You know, everybody has an opinion now. You know? Mm-hmm. It's really, really hard financially yeah. to put on a show because you could just have it all undone. I mean, Lame is famous, right? Absolutely slated by yeah. the press. Yeah, yeah. absolutely slated. Yeah. Next day, queues around the block. I mean, that doesn't happen quite like that anymore. Maybe it had queues around the block because it was slated. Well, no, I, I think it was because they probably mm. went, well, if the press... <laughs> it's the press yeah. <laughs> yeah, the evidence suggests otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. It? <laughs> but yeah, so what is that like then, existing in this industry now for, for both of you, that it's so vastly mm. different from when you first started? For instance, you know, you've returned to Les Mis 10, 10 years after and it's continued to be part of your sort of dare I say, legacy, you know, at, at this I'm point. very, very lucky. Very unusual situation to happen. So, yeah, that was butting in, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, but, but very, very valid. Like, what is that? How do you feel it's different now from back then? Beyond what you've already said. Well, Bozy, you know more than me because I, I, I don't really work very often. Um, I write a lot and... So I'm not really constantly in the West End treading the boards. You, you're always doing shows. Mm-hmm. So maybe you could answer. <laughs> <laughs> that was under God, the bus right back, isn't it? It is quite a big question these days, though, isn't it? Because I'm, I'm, I'm aware when I talk to students, I don't want to put them off. You know, they have every right to pursue their dreams um, with the same unbridled, untainted, um, untempered uh, kind of passion that we had back then. But my God, it's so hard now. It's mm. so, so hard. Mm. It's it's oversubscribed. Um, mm. And it's, it's far more, I'd say, of 
a business now, perhaps closer to the way things are in America, um, that unfortunately the passion does get side-railed um, because it requires so much more of us now. It's not just about the performing, you know. When you consider you've you've got to be aware of, uh, like self-tapes, and self-tapes, I mean, we're meant to be sound technicians, camera operators. <laughs> um, I, I just think it's too much for for us. But that, but you know, they have the bounty of choice. Yeah. They have the embarrassment of yeah, riches yeah. now because wow, the talent out there is incredible. That <laughs> I definitely would not have had my career had I started now. Because back you then, would. No, is, no, I saw you say no, this on a different no, no, interview, and I was not, like, "That's very humble, yeah. isn't it?" No, that's not. That's not full modesty. <laughs> I, I watch every day. At some point, I see something that just makes me go, "Wow!" And you know, we on talk the, about, on, on the um, on Instagram, in, YouTube, yeah, Instagram reels, and incredible things. Incredible yeah, talent, yeah. which I believe was always there. And this is what they talk about. It's not as if it's not as if all of a sudden. There's this explosion of, of talent and stuff. It's always been there, but opportunities are far more now. You can make yourself, you know, famous or you For can make yourself minutes, access. Maybe. But back then, mm-hmm. um, I mean, there was people I did amateur dramatics with who were far more talented than me. But it was never something that they could ever pursue <laughs> professionally. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Come on, but, you have a voice to die for. I am I've always, I, we, even last night sitting on the sofa, I was like, wish I could sing like you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Famous, I can sing, the, I can sing higher than her and she can sing lower than me. It's <laughs> very true. true. Which is where Frankie and Bosey kind of works really, really well. Actually. We swap the harmonies over. Oh, I love yeah. that. That's amazing. Yeah, really. <laughs> would you explain? So Frankie and Bosey is your show, right? We've, oh, yeah. we've been uh, sort of uh, looking at this quite extensively over yeah. since uh, seeing you're coming in. It looks awesome. Can you tell us just a little bit about it and how people can come and watch? Oh no, it's me now. Tag you Well, we've got quite a few shows coming up. Um, we've got Manchester, Feb 4th, and we've got London, Crazy Cox, Feb 7th, and then we have March 29th in London. And, and we'll, we're adding more, and we're going to try and travel around, do Scotland as well, UK mainly. We've just done New York. So it will be on our, I mean, just easy to say this, it will be on our website, frankieandbosey.com, or on our Instagrams. But Plug. Plug. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, so like, a requested plug. Yeah, a requested yeah. one. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, but it's, it came about, really, we just decided to do a cabaret act together. But um, I've done a lot of one-woman shows in the past. Um, so, Amazing one-woman shows. So I, I said to Bozy, do you mind if we do it more like, instead of like a cabaret, it's more like a theatre piece, but in a cabaret space. So it's an intimate theatre piece. And it's about Frankie and Bozy who meet at Edinburgh train station many, many years ago. And basically it's a show about the ups and downs of imperfectly perfect relationships. And it's funny, it's um, heartbreaking and joyous. Yeah. Um, we don't we don't shy away from the honesty of, of relationships yeah, and, yeah. and uh, their ups and downs. Because, well, we've both been married. We've, we've got five kids between us. Yeah. Um, so we've definitely been on a journey. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, um, Frankie's Frankie's one moment shows. You know, they've, they've always gone down an incredible storm. So being invited to collaborate on something was was Being exciting and daunting. No, <laughs> it's true. But you know, you have done those one one shows both on Broadway here, like, yeah. and they've been incredibly successful, and and audiences love them. Yeah, so. I do unique ones. That's for sure. But that's 
it's it's a highlight, but it's also my downfall because I don't just fit into the regular sort of I'm next song I'm going to sing is about you know mm. you know when I did Starlight Express or whatever I don't do any of it, and I've stuck to that you know and I always do stories and write vignettes in between. We wrote them together, Frankie and Bosie, funny little vignettes in between the songs and very sort of inspired by sort of Ian Jury. I don't know if you know Ian Jury. Yeah, 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 yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. You look so much younger then. Good. We'll take it. We'll take yeah, it. We'll take it. Afterwards. Take it <laughs> that's yes. so exciting, though. Like having doing it differently, doing it with a narrative. I think that's. Yeah. Like, I've seen so many cabarets, and they just become the same. You just you forget what you're watching because yeah. there's. You're right. They're just telling stories or anecdotes, and you're like. No, yeah. let's make it something else. That's, yeah. that's way more exciting. Theater. Yeah, let's make it theatre. Theatre run in a different exactly. setting. It's not that it's not interesting to hear about people's life stories. Mm. I think it really is. Um, but it, for me, what happened was that I couldn't speak on stage. Every time I, Danielle Torrento um, produced my first one woman show and she said, you just can't speak, can you? I could not speak to the audience. <laughs> I'd start stuttering. It was, very, I, I couldn't be myself. Mm-hmm. So um, then I just did a song cycle for the first woman show and then eventually wrote the vignettes and things and it became part of my style that's, now our style <laughs> <laughs> that's fascinating why because uh, I think a lot of people will identify with that I personally do I know you I do, do too <laughs> like what happens do you think in that setting that makes you less comfortable because you've you know you've, you've done everything on stage when you have to speak as you what is it that uh, messes with you um well it's not that I haven't got the confidence to stand there and be myself. I certainly have when I sing because I go off the wall and really do some crazy stuff <laughs> performance-wise. I I try to think it's performance art, really. Um, but but it's um, words for me are difficult. I always lose words. I've always done it all my life. It's I've been diagnosed as dyslexic when I was uh, 13 years old, but I actually to this day don't think I'm dyslexic, but I definitely think that we're all on the spectrum in certain ways. And I'm definitely have my own little spectrum, you know, where I, I cannot think of words, can I? Hmm. Silly little words. And I've always had this sort of word blindness thing. And then if I'm in a position where I've got an audience, it, I, I find it very hard to speak. And it's happened on TV as well a few times in interviews. I literally just stopped, couldn't think of a word. And I, just, I might do it today. It may well happen to me all the time. It does, and it's uh, it's very welcome if if it happens. Um, We can always cut it out. (laughs) I'm I'm okay with being honest. You know, we're not all perfect, Mm. and and that holds me back. And other other little things hold me back in my life as well. But other those same sort of things, what goes on in my head, has also been has worked for me creatively. So I'm grateful for it as well. I really love that. I think part of what we were saying earlier on about where where sort of theatre has gone to is this. And I think what we do is is about celebrating how imperfect we are mm. yeah. and being able mm. to share our weaknesses and vulnerabilities and, and flaws uh, in a way and celebrate them. And I think there's something really, I hope you don't mind me Coming to this, the way you speak to each other is really lovely to see. Mm. You seem so nice to each other, <laughs> kind and kind. Kind and nice, we are. And it seems it seems <laughs> obvious, but you you don't often <laughs> sadly you don't actually often see people uh, treat their partner in that mm. that way. And it's so it's so lovely. And I, I wonder if 
that's part of the thing of going, once you know your own weaknesses and flaws and things, then you can love them and, and work on them too, yeah. Yeah. but also love them in somebody else, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I don't know, Bobby, does your wife... Uh... <laughs> she speaks very highly of me. <laughs> Sometimes. But then, does that resonate with you yeah. in any way? Yeah. We have little moments and it's usually me, not Bosie. He's like no, unbelievable. No, 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 that's not fair. That's not fair. <laughs> but, but, but we're good at pointing out things if we've been upset by each other and yeah. we deal with it. We don't, we don't have arguments. We just... No, and it's acknowledging we're both yeah. of a certain age. We've both got things that are far more deep-rooted. So it's um, understanding where we can kind of compromise, meet in the middle, teach each other something else. I mean, I feel like uh, I feel like she's popped the the cap on on certain things for me, especially creatively. You know, I've spent most of my life doing takeover roles, and I'm grateful for it, and I love it. But to be in a position to create especially with somebody like Frankie, um, and to realise that you have potential for creation um, and, uh, and, and uh, expanding, even at this age, you know, one's kind of creativity, soul, um, horizons, you know. Um, th- I think that's, that's the best thing that we could do for each other. You know, I'm trying... We help each I'm, other with I'm different things, to, yeah. yeah. He helps me with patience. I don't have as much patience. Said <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> so, sort of surreptitiously on the side. <laughs> and loads of other things, but we do help. We, we balance each other. We do. Yeah. Yeah. That's so glorious. Um, Ooh, sorry right. to put you on the spot there. I hope that, that was okay. I didn't realise this was a therapy session. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know what? That's, it's something that people, because the podcast is called Fit to Talk, they, they assume we're going to talk about fitness. And we're like, mm. no, it, it's about being fit to perform as a human being and, and everything that takes, right? So everything mm-hmm. that comes to you as a human or all of mm. your thoughts and everything about your existence and yeah. your, your sort of, your your being how do we yeah. how do you manage to get to work and, and work constantly on the boards as you said frankie and and you know how do you what do you do in the mean in fact this is an interesting question you said you don't work that often mm. obviously you're or, as far as theater yeah. as far as you know yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. every single day of course <laughs> well you said you're writing a new musical is that right yeah so i've written um i've written quite a few things um and songs all my life as well so but I've written a musical um, called, at the moment, the title is called I Can Die Too. Um, and it's um, co-written with Alan Cumming and Sally George. And So no one we know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> um, and it's, um, we have our first script workshop um, at the end of January um, 23rd. And then a um, two-week fully cast workshop in March. Wow. Which is really exciting. Congratulations. How, amazing. Yeah. Like, how, what has that process been like? Well, um, hard. It's been banging on doors and things. It's, I, I, I don't like doing that sort of stuff. Mm. But um, also, it's taken a long time to get it to where it is now, um, as, as in a writing piece. And so I guess there's going to be a lot more writing now with the workshops and everything. Um, so we'll see. Um, we'll see what happens. So I guess I, I started writing in 2019. I took the idea to Alan Cumming in New York. And we, the two of us, started writing it in front of a whole group of university students, which was really scary. <laughs> yeah, no pressure. <laughs> was that intentional? Or? Yeah, we were taken to a residency um, by New York Theatre Workshop. Um, I don't know if people know that company, but it's very much like the Royal Court here. So. Mm. 
very, very, um, you know, of course I can't think of the word, but um, I was honoured <laughs> honored to to be part of that residential that they, they took us there and they helped us with the writing and, um, and it was great. The kids as well, what amazing kids. They, they were all part of it and listening to it and giving us suggestions. Mm. And it took us back to being teenagers. And in fact, it went back so much that the uh, piece is really, really about um, a teenage pregnancy, um, which happened to me. So it's, um, it's not autobiographical. I can't say the word. Autobiographical. Thank you, darling. Um, but it's, um, it, it's inspired by my own experience. I was pregnant when I was 15, so it's inspired by that. Um, and it's also set on a stage, because oh, what do I know about theatre? So it's set in a technical rehearsal. Wow. Oh. So, and it's a play within a play and blah, blah, blah. It's very complicated. And this is why we need to do the workshops because there's some singing that is the real person. There's some singing in the play within the play. And how do you differentiate mm. that? And, you know, so a lot of things to, to deal with, but it's a really, it's a very female piece. And we have a wonderful female director on board for the workshops. Um, Hannah, I hope I get her names, but... Um, pronounced right Hannah Hayer King and um, when we met with her on Zoom which I've never done that you know on that side of the desk before mm. it was actually more nerve-wracking than being on the other side but um, you know when you just feel I was in the presence of someone wonderful and it reminded me of being of working with Trevor Nunn and John Caird all those years back and how in awe I was of them and how I completely gave myself to them and trusted them and it's wonderful when you get a director you really can trust. And I feel that this same feeling is happening inside me and I'm hoping that's what's going to happen this time. Wow. I feel that she's very strong. Fingers crossed. Yeah. That's so exciting. Yeah. And also to hear, you know, that you write so much and to you, you create all of those things. And only a moment ago you were saying that sometimes you struggle with, with words. I know that was about performance in that way. Yeah, but, but that, well, it's, it surprises me that I could be a writer. Um, at school when I was... Um, 15 and they wouldn't put me into the we called it o levels then i think they became gcses and they wouldn't put me into the english o level because they thought i'd fail and they actually put me down two years so i was in the same class as my sister at school in english and but i have to say with computers and thesauruses and things you know i've learned so much and mm. I, I can anyone can write mm. and i didn't realize that to call myself a writer is like such a weird thing I'm now used to it, but, you know, for a few years, I was like, oh, I'm a writer, oh, you know, just crazy. And, and we've, um, we've also, the three of us, so Sally came on board as well. So we, um, Alan's basically so busy. I was like, can I get a friend to come on board to finish this play? <laughs> <laughs> and so um, Sally's come on board. She's amazing. And um, we've also written a movie version of this piece. And we've also written another play, Me and Sally, um, called At Enormous Expense, set in Victorian times as well. So we've got loads of things bubbling and projects. At Enormous Expense. What made you choose the Victorian era? Um, because my mum my mum was an avid collector of musical songs from Victorian times. So I grew up with all that. And, and I, did, uh, I was so interested in the characters back then. I did a lot of research on those characters in the Victorian times. So um, I amalgamated amag like all the characters I read about into these the characters I made up into this uh, play. I also wrote that for a few years before take alone take before I took it to Sally. She's my like my saviour. 
Sally, can you help me? Um, but um, I tried to do it alone because it was a bit of a challenge for me. But after three years, also it actually goes back and forth in time. It comes to it. It also goes to present day and Victorian times. So it's really, really complicated as well. So on my own, I was just feeling like I'm my my head is so scrambled. I can't do this alone anymore. Mm. I don't think people understand the dedication required to write a full piece. Like it's not, mm-hmm. you know, because in when people are in school, they go, "Oh, can you write a three thousand word essay?" And you go, "Oh, well, how long is a is a play in words?" You're like, "Well, yeah, that's not really the thing, is it?" Like, it's not yeah. about just writing the content. It takes so much. In fact, what what do you think it takes? It's probably more interesting to hear from you than me. I actually think it just takes to to get the pen and paper out and start writing. As Somerset Maugham said, he wrote his name, I my name is Somerset Maugham, my name is Somerset Maugham, and he carried on writing it until he could think of something better to write. But <laughs> I actually do think that's what happened. I mean, obviously I had a little idea and I sort of started to write in both, in both of them because when I took the idea to Alan, the I Can Die Too idea, I had to take something to him in the first place. I had mm. something in my head, so I had to start putting it down. Mm. And when we were going off to do the workshop, the original writing residency workshop. Um, he said, so we'll just write it there. And I was like, <gasps> so um, before I went, I did my homework and I started writing some scenes and then took them to him, which he liked and we worked on them. But I hadn't even written a scene from a play before, ever, ever before. So I had to make myself do it. Mm. And I think if you go, oh, I don't feel like writing, you'll never write anything. You literally have to make it a job. Ben yeah. Elton also, I'm name dropping now, but I didn't know Somerset Morn. <laughs> <laughs> um, ben Elton, I asked him about it a long, long time ago, and he said he literally had in his diary he, where he'd write, and he'd go to the, the office, and he'd just sit there and write. You have to make it a job Ooh. and just keep doing it. I love that. This is a massive segue into something else, but I, I wanted to um, ask you, Norman, about something that you're also, as this is word related, that's why you're a celebrant, is that right? Um, how did that yeah. come about? Can you explain um, what celebrant means before? Because I, yeah, I yeah, don't know yeah. something else. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's definitely not the absence of sex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As is often yeah, the response when I tell people what I am. Apart from when we're really tired. If, <laughs> if that's what it was, and I, I casually brought that up, that would have been... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, <laughs> well, tying in with the earlier conversation about how different things are for the industry, I, I recognised that at one point I was going into a new phase in my career, being no longer the juvenile romantic lead. And um, and as a consequence of that, less parts coming my way, getting, you know, good parts like dads and still getting Shakespeare, things like that, but not quite the same. And if, 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 uh, if one kind of measures oneself by the work one was getting, then I started to think something's coming off the boil here. Maybe I'm... Maybe I'm losing it. Maybe I don't have quite what it takes anymore. And um, my last job before uh, uh, lockdown was in Belfast with Kiss Me Kate. And I met up with a friend of mine who I did Les with, uh, Peter Corey, uh, who's a big Irish uh, singer over there. And his wife, uh, Fleur, is a celebrant too. When I'd asked what um, she was up to. Now, the thing is, I knew what a celebrant was before. But it never really kind of, it never clicked with me what it was and, and what it entailed. 
until I really needed it. Um, and I always kind of I always kind of point towards this book called Ikigai um, that somebody gave to me a few years back. Uh, and it's got this wonderful kind of diagram on the back. And you'll forgive me if I don't remember all four circles, but one says uh, something that you love, something that you're good at, something you could be paid for, and something that the world needs. And where they all intersect, there's another set, like profession, vocation, and I don't remember the others, but right in the middle is Ikigai. And I remember thinking, um, when the lockdown happened, I don't know how you felt, but I breathed so deeply. When, when I realised that nobody was getting any opportunities, mm. that I wasn't missing out on anything as an actor, I felt, I felt everything expand outward rather than just like this. And I thought, okay, I have lived most of my life believing that performing is the one thing that I can do and uh, that I need in order to kind of validate who I am, to pay my bills, to kind of have a sense of purpose. Because it was that, and that was the thing that has seen me through life. When I admitted to myself it was no longer life or death, because it felt like that. And you have a pandemic where people are genuinely like, dying and you're like okay okay I need to get things in perspective here. Yeah. <laughs> and then I thought okay well if I'm not going to rely on this one thing anymore what else can I do and that's why when I was in Belfast there was more of that eureka moment that I thought this is the thing because this is everything I already do um, but it's applied in a very different way and I was, I was always wanting to do something that was literally and um, metaphorically a service, something where I was giving my skills. Because um, the thing is about being a performer is you're somewhat encouraged to be quite self-centered, self-focused, self-centric, you know, because you've got to. In order to survive, you've got to keep thinking about how you look, how you present yourself and and, that, and it's like you say, it's, it's, that's part of an industry that I've never been particularly, I don't want to, I can't go out there banging a, a drum for myself like that, you know. So to find something else that made me realise I can have a huge sense of validation because of how it makes me feel. And I can also give a service to uh, people who don't have what it takes to do such things like funerals. You know, very often when I meet with a family, it's with any luck for them, it's the first time they've been in that situation. And they are listless. They, they don't know. They, they, they've got a funeral director in place and, and, and the funeral director will take care of all the practical side of things. But when it comes to that service, wow, the pressure on them, you know, to, to, to pay homage, to, to do justice to somebody's life. But they don't know what it's like. They don't know what it entails. They don't know how to put it together. So the, the sense of like, the sense of, it's, I mean, it, you do feel a little bit like a Superman. <laughs> you know, you walk in the room and you're like, don't you worry. You are though. I he know is. what I'm doing you're here. So, you're so good at it. Well, I, I do. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, I, I'm very lucky to have found two things in life now that, uh, that I can earn a living from, that I can say to a certain extent, I do well. Um, especially especially the celebrancy stuff. There's a lot of celebrants who um, are really, really great at what they do. But, you know, there's a lot that, strangely enough, are not particularly good at communicating. Yeah. We were on a course where two of them had such fears of public speaking. 
Isn't that uh, the most of the job? So so this that's the that's the strange irony, right? Now I've met yeah. very, very, very shy people who turn out to be very wonderful performers once they flip a switch. Yeah. I'm not saying everybody's capable of that, but I did I did admire the fact that people were passionate enough to want to be something and then they would unfortunately come up against this big thing, which of course is nothing to us. I mean, I say nothing. I'm 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 quite I'm quite okay at standing and being myself. I can talk to a room yeah. and be myself. Mm. I don't know where that comes from necessarily because it's not it's not something I would have been able to do a long time ago. But certainly as a celebrant, it's very very handy that I can stand there, represent a family, and um, and having guided them through their choices, you know, make sure that by the end of that service, they have no regrets that they mm. have not overlooked anything, and. If anything, you know, they have a, a, a new light on the life of somebody. It's amazing how many times I say, so tell me about their life. And they go, well, you know, she was a housewife and then she was a mother and she didn't do very much. I'm like, well, let's talk about her sacrifices. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> let's yeah. talk what did she uh, not do? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's talk about who she was up until the point that she decided she was going to give up her own ambitions for the sake of mm. her family. and. Mm. And of course, that you know that that that's a lovely spin for a family to kind of all of a sudden recognise that that person's life was fully lived, was valid. You know, mm. it's what most people are looking for. They just want their life to feel like it was worthwhile. Well, right? well, mm. He's great at weddings as well, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> he only does yeah. the negative stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Weddings is where the money's at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My he <laughs> definitely on the charges, I keep saying. Yeah, she keeps telling oh, me to yeah, ramp up yeah. the price. The business yes. acumen coming in. Yeah. Yeah. So, what was that experience like for you, Frankie, when you, when you mentioned lockdown and finally feeling like you could breathe? Was, did you have the same experience or was it different for you? Different for me. Um, I was living a wonderful life in New York, very busy, fun, you know, writing. And, um, and then, and, and performing, I did my one... I can't say the word one woman show. One woman show. Can you, can you say it? No, I'm not going to tell you. I had a residency, residency um, at the um, Green Room 42 in New York and I did that every month and it was wonderful. And um, and then obviously had, my kids rang me up and said, Mum, you better come home now before they stop flights because we were worried they'd stop all flights. And mm. um, so I... I came back to London and then my parents in their 80s, um, they needed help. So I basically took care of my parents for three months. And because I didn't have a home in London, um, I was allowed to book a country home. You know, you know when, do you remember they said yeah. you're not allowed to go anywhere? Yeah. But I was like, well, I'm not going to live in my mum, dad's one bedroom flat and they need looking after. So, and I haven't got a home. So I rented a lovely house in the Cotswolds. Also, you probably kept whoever the owner of that house was. We like, kept, exactly. Yeah. Like helping them Somebody out. Somebody had yeah, yeah. some money, yeah. So um, I was with my parents for three whole months. Basically. Wow. I didn't really venture out. That is a different experience. <laughs> <than> <laughs> <three. Yeah>. um, <laughs> clean the house, you know, because we couldn't get any, anyone to help. I did yeah. everything, the cooking, the cleaning. and Wow. It was, it was really wonderful, though, and I think because I've been away in New York so much, you know, my parents really appreciated it. And I feel, feel like I sort of did a tick, good daughter. <laughs> <laughs> now, we can't not mention 
the Tony Award. Oh, right, yeah. Casual. It would, it, it would be, <laughs> it, it would be a bad job on our part if we didn't. So when this came about, you, you find out you're nominated. What's the process from there? Do you know you're going to win? Not at all, no. So what was that? Talk us through that experience then. When you, mm. you find out, like, or lead up, what happened? I didn't even think about being nominated because it wasn't something I thought about because in London I wasn't nominated for an Olivier or anything. Yeah. And actually, because I was only 21 years old, it was not in my head. And when I did get nominated, I was like, shit, that's the thing that's on the telly that I watch every year. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, I couldn't believe it. Um, and then it was a little awkward because um, there were some people that should have been nominated in our company that weren't. And there's the politics in within the company. And I was also up against um, Judy Kuhn, Cosette. I mean, we both were very sweet about it to each other but it was also you know I really didn't think I was going to win because there was such hassle getting me there and American Equity were really dragging their feet and mm. I didn't actually get to the States till halfway through the rehearsal period wow. and so I didn't expect that any of the Americans would be interested in voting for a Brit. Um, quite a few voters said to me, oh, I vote for you. So I did get a few positive things from people. A lot of it was PR, you know. Um, we were told as actors by our agents, right, now you're nominated, you need to get a PR. We had to get these top PRs and I got magazines and I had so much PR. It was unbelievable. Mm. It's like a whole new life. Wow. Um, before the actual awards and then when I actually won it was such a shock but I didn't think yeah I've won I thought uh, I must not trip over in these high heels <laughs> <laughs> make focus <laughs> that's incredible <laughs> don't fall don't fall don't fall don't fall and then I suppose halfway through do you have to make an acceptance speech or do you make, yeah did you do I did that? a very simple short one because again I was Thank really you. scared about doing that kind of thing yes so yeah. it was um Written by it's very just, sweet. It's on YouTube. Yeah, you can see it. I have, <laughs> a, I have a, we will be watching and that. I have a slight <laughs> yeah. American accent, which is so funny, which I didn't know I managed to gain. Mm. And do you, I mean, where is that now? Well, actually, it's embarrassing. Literally, <laughs> <laughs> because when you get it, when you get it, it's not the one that you get, and right. then they. I can't remember if they send it to you or something. Yeah. When I got it, literally, I went like that with the spinning thing and it went, and it fell off. <laughs> so it, it broke the day I got it. Fantastic. And people will say, oh, I bet you were drunk falling out of a taxi. No. <laughs> that was afterwards. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's how the second bit broke. <laughs> Actually, the second bit broke, I can't remember how, but I'm, I used to do a big thing on Friends. I remember Paul Baker coming over and he goes, is that your Tony? And I was like, yeah. And he looked at it and it just, <laughs> and he was mortified. <laughs> You're like, pick it up, pretend to do a speech if you want. No! <laughs> um, I don't know how the other bit broke. No. I mean, it travelled back and forth and I used to go take it to New York because um, originally it, it lived at my mum and dad's house and I decided I was going to have it back that I had to be proud of it. Um, and then I was embarrassed when people came over so it kept going into my bathroom drawer. Um, and it's only recently I've decided I really need to put that thing up and be proud of it, mm. and remind myself that, that I was good once. <laughs> <laughs> well, it kind of jumps back to what you were both saying earlier on about celebrating 
you know, every you kind of know who you are now, yeah, like all of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Going, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I did that. Yeah. Like, I'd want that on your mantelpiece. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've got to know, get that display. Yeah. But do you know what I am going to do with it? So I looked it up. Um, so we, I tried to get it fixed, and they said it's not fixable. But also, if you look online, you can find this little old thing. Uh, you can buy them anywhere, basically, these Tony Award things. So it, back then, it was the cheapest award that you could pick up. Now they make them a bit nicer. So I don't even want, you know, a bit of cheat crap. The 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 um, the disc itself is the thing that you need. So I'm going to um, have the whole thing remoulded in bronze and make it like an art piece, but just keep the disc as it was. Oh, I love so that. It's going to be That's the most to me. <laughs> Because no, it's, 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 it's that languishing in the boot for ages. We're trying to find somebody who can fix it. And um, yeah. people just go, it's, the, the metal's are weird or something like that. Cheap. Like, Cheap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so then I did tell my manager, Jeremy, the other day that I was going to do that. And he said, no, 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 we must call them and get you a new Tony. But he actually said it in an American accent. <laughs> and, um, but I don't... Um, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Get if that, that conversation's happened, but I'm now getting to the stage, I, you know, I'm getting old. I want it on my wall. Ooh. So I'm going to do an art piece for sure. That's one yeah. so cool. And please send us a picture when you do. Um, <laughs> uh, we'd love to see it. Uh, you've both done, between you, probably every show I've ever heard of, uh, <laughs> which is probably not an exaggeration, actually, no. looking at your both of your CVs. <laughs> So, you know, we can't possibly talk about all of them, but I'd love to find out from you what you think the most difficult show you've done was. What was the h hardest one for you to do? And not, perhaps not because of what was going on in your life at the time, but the actual demands of the show. Mm. I've got one. Yeah, <laughs> straight, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it's the one job that I, I, I said that I, it was the closest I came to regretting doing, but only because it, it just it didn't turn out to be what we thought it was going to be. And it was finding Neverland. Oh, yeah. Right. At Leicester yeah. Curve. Mine's at Leicester too, by the way. Is How it? Is that? Yeah. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> but mine's, um, a, mine's a positive one. But hard. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> well, th this, this yeah. one was hard because it, um, <laughs> it was being produced by Harvey Weinstein. And Harvey, as, as, as apparently it goes, that Harvey was trying to get himself a hit because he was in competition with the producer of Book of Mormon. I can't, his name's not coming to me right now. But apparently there's a there's a, a little bit of a between the two of them. So he was so desperate to have a musical theatre hit. And we had the most incredible people on board. I mean, like, incredible. Uh, the director, the, 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 the musical arranger, everybody, the writer. We had a budget of... Like millions. <laughs> um, and it was lavish. It was huge. But it never settled. It was like every day we had to come and do something differently because Harvey didn't want it that way. You know, I don't think he quite grasped really what putting on a musical was like. Mm. It was like he was in an editing suite and basically went, I don't like that. Let's get rid of that. And so something we'd worked on for weeks all of a sudden was just gone. But then a week later, it'd be back in. You know, just on a whim like that. And I used to used to see Rob uh, Ashford, our director, come in every day. And there was one time he sat us all in the stalls and he went, remember how we said change is good? Um, <laughs> so, That's never good. Oh, yes. Okay. No, exactly. And it was like that. At one point, we were having to 
learn a song. We were doing a song at night, um, and by all intents and purposes, I felt it was a really, really good song. But now we had to learn in, in a different key, with different words, but to the same tune and slightly different choreography. So while we were doing the show at night, we were rehearsing it differently during the day. And then literally three nights later, we'd have to switch it over, Mm. just like that. Now, it's that kind of stuff that doesn't allow you to settle ever as a performer Mm. either, you know? Um, And I just remember the the, the daily dramas that were met with. And, and, you know, we'd heard that basically by the end of it, uh, he'd lost Harvey, you know, and he, he was getting... He had James Corbin in watching one of the shows and he gave him prompts that he had to shout out and, and kind of <laughs> interact what? with the audience. Yeah, because there was some lines where all of a sudden it became pantomimic. Um, and he didn't, he obviously didn't recognise that that's something we do once a year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one section of the year. Mm. Um, and so, you know, what he'd, he'd get this character to say something out and then... He thought the audience would respond, and when they didn't, he got James Corbin to do it and shout out this response, and we were like, wow, okay. Okay. So the long and the short of it is, by the end of it, uh, he sacked everybody, and he did that different, but very different production on Broadway with with Take That writer. Gary Barlow. Gary Barlow. Who directed that Modernised it. Um, Someone else. Someone else. Oh, yeah, no, somebody <laughs> else. Because yeah. I mean, that was the one else. I did see. I did see you that saw one. That yeah, one. yeah. I mean, we had, yeah, yeah. it was it was an extraordinary talent on board. Um, and as a company, we were really, really bonded. But the daily hell of, mm. of kind of not being able to do our jobs properly. Yeah. Um, it still teaches you something, of course. <laughs> God, yeah. One, it's one of those, one of the rare people in our industry that you can now say the truth about what that experience <laughs> oh <my> is. <laughs> yeah. Because what's happened, you can go, yeah. yes, that was an awful experience. Yeah. Whereas yeah. isn't it nuts that if, if none of that had come out, you'd have to still be like, and it was fine. <laughs> and I well, loved it. And this is the fear that he ruled with, you know, yeah. the sense that you said something or did something. And you're done. That was you. Wow. And he had, to, he had that power, you know. Mm. And um, they do. And, and what was yours? No, my, my, when you say difficult, mine wasn't um, an awful experience at all. My, my most difficult um, performance um, was playing Edith Piaf in Pam Jem's Piaf. And that's because that role is such a car crash of a character. And you're running every single scene. She, she rules every single scene. You've got to be funny. You, you've, you, you've got to be real. And you've got to go through such heartbreak and I loved every minute of it but at the same time the interval every single night without fail not just the first night every night I'd come up in the lift to the dressing room and I literally felt like I was just gonna keel over I was sobbing my heart out and I just felt bruised to the bone and so it was just I I mean I only did six weeks I just don't know how somebody could do that role every night for a year or something. I mean, but it was an incredible challenge and I absolutely loved every minute. And then, yeah, and then other little hard things, not really hard, but I did Chicago and I played Roxy and I loved that as well. And that wasn't a challenge for the role, but what was really interesting is that I I went to play Roxy and the original Roxy, Ruthie Henshaw, was playing Velma. So we went in together 
and she wasn't playing her role. And that, and that was quite difficult for mm. me because I thought she was fantastic as Rosie. I saw yeah. her yeah. play it. So I was quite um, daunted by the fact that I had to then play. And she's there. Yeah, but it was amazing. We had um, such fun and we just became such good friends. We even had a snog. So it was all fine. <laughs> <laughs> in the show? Oh, no. <laughs> and it, you've you've I, both done really physically demanding shows as well. Like, I know you did a Diner in Starlight Express. Yes. When it first opened. Yes. You legit look like you didn't remember that for a yeah. second there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what? Because I, I was actually thinking of something else I meant to tell you a bit later, but okay. But yeah, you've both done very physically demanding shows. Like, normally you've done Monkey Trap and Cats. Like... <laughs> Like casual. Ca- like casual. Just casual on the strap. Me. Was that lots of work then, that one? Jellicle ball. It's just a jellicle ball. It's got just, just a jellicle ball. Jellicle ball. To my... To the end of my days, I'll never get over the fact I've done cats. For a start. Yeah, I didn't get over the fact you've done cats. Because <laughs> <laughs> it said on his um, email for ages, but you've taken it off, haven't you? Able mover. I used to be able mover. It was a laugh, but she thought I was just being like somehow kind of knocking myself. It's like, no, it's a get out clause. Yeah. Because I remember. Exactly. That's what I put on mine. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. Like, and then the, the expectation is low. Exactly. And then you show that you haven't got two left feet and they go, oh my God, wow. Yeah. You know, you he just does in high heels in Abba in the. Yeah, that's, that's very different. Six-inch six inch platforms are much easier than... You're not kicking a leg up, I <laughs> No, exactly. No, 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 no. Combine the two, do, do cats with six-inch heels. Oh, my yeah. God. There you go. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> I still have nightmares about Starlight. I seriously, seriously do. Even, like, in the last six months, I, I have a nightmare where they're calling me back to say, can you do Diner? <laughs> no, it really no. is. It's horrendous. Horrendous dream. But yeah. In general, I think... I think Jumping from what Bobby said, how do you or did you approach those things? You know, physically, I know for Starlight they have a big sort of boot camp where they teach you that stuff. But throughout the run of these shows, and and even now, like whenever you're doing things, they're so physically demanding. Do you just allow the show to sort of do that for you, or how do you take care of yourself alongside? I suppose. Oh, going for fitness. Um, well, obviously, when I did Starlight, I was 18, so I didn't even have to think about it. Um, naturally fit back then. But, yeah, uh, I'm, I guess I did Chicago in my 40s, um, so I had to be – I did a lot of Pilates and yoga. Um, I'm a trained yoga teacher. And also um, I did the Wild Party in when I was 50-something already. I had to dance through McConey's choreography. We saw this. We both saw it. Yeah. Uh, it was fantastic. Well, I also snapped my ACL. So I had it rebuilt um, and it's never been the best, but I've somehow managed with my Pilates yoga and everything. And, you know, in that show, jumping up onto a sofa and, you know, and, and doing the dancing, mm. you know, I, I think you can, mind over matter, do it, but you do have to do your stretching. And, and I would start young. I mean, I think I waited too late to really take my body seriously. But we do have to look after our bodies and mm. do, do all that stuff, Pilates and yoga and everything. Do you do that yeah. as well? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we would, for us, you know, we're, we're doing kind of strength training along, along along trying to strengthen the body alongside what we'd now call like mobility work, which yes, I know. Uh, some yoga fits into 
what we call yes. mobility. Other forms don't, as you well know. I don't know I'm explaining to you that. Um, so, uh, yes, to a certain degree. Yeah. yeah, it's something that we're trying to advocate for quite quite good, strongly. Good. Yeah, Pilates, I think, is really, really, really the good one. I mean, I've, I actually have done Pilates since the 80s. I can't say I've had any kind of particular ethos over over my my, my years, but um, it, I always found it weird. We say yes to a job, and we never fully know what it entails, do we? Mm. You know, there's the the idea in our head how it's going to go, and then there's something else. And very often, even with something like cats, we just throw ourselves into it. We give it everything that we can for as long as we can. Um, and I have to say, as, mu as much as I was knackered, I was also the fittest I'd ever been. So there's that kind of weird thing where you've, you've got it, but you can't really spend it because you need it for the show. And that was the other thing about leaving, like just finishing Mamma Mia recently. Mm. It takes so much out of you yeah. so much the mega mix at the end <laughs> just that alone just that yeah. it is exhausting and even for the 30 seconds that the dads are involved yeah. in the mega mix but when, I, but when you think about um, what it takes out of you and, and you've got the day where you, you feel like you want to get on with your life but you, you can't do very much because you've always got the show in the back of your head vocally physically yeah. mentally you're always having to save something for it and Especially as we were living in the countryside as well. Then, yeah, so yeah, that is that. We were, you were doing all the travelling. You know, if you to miss a train, extent, it gets yeah. so late. and It's a long day. Yeah, and I wasn't yeah. seeing my, my, my children. Yeah. My, yeah. Well, they're not children now, they're teenagers, but I wasn't seeing enough of them. But, um, but look, we've enjoyed their heyday of our bodies, yeah. right? You know, when you are able to kind of really just throw yourself into mm. it and at the end of a year's contract just go, yeah. <laughs> and collapse in a heap. <laughs> But we were talking earlier today about, you know... I pulled my hamstring, Well, I? I was like, saying we that to Stefan. slowly, yeah. yeah. I was like, yeah. I we're can't get fast! We're almost, pay <laughs> we're almost paying now for all of our adventures, yeah. you know. And I, I had, haven't done anything apart from a few tummy no, exercises. No, but I mean, you know... <laughs> and then it's still gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you know, I think that's, that's what we were saying. And one of the reasons what we're trying to advocate for, for this stuff and people starting this a bit younger is, you know, we're... <laughs> We're not quite the spring chickens we used to be, and, and our, our bodies are feeling the wear and tear of the demands of the industry and, and all the other things mm -hmm. we put them through. And you go, you only realise when it's a bit too late, yeah. and you go, oh god, my my knees are, are track. You know, you did your AC. Paying for it or dealing with that yeah. thing, I'm trying mm. to compensate, trying to find ways to strengthen around and, and manage that thing. And yeah. you go, okay, well. How do we exist in a world where we have enough care of, of our young performers that mm. it does just doesn't happen? Mm. You know, with mm. with that crazy demand. When you're young, though, you never think it's going to no, happen. It and, always seems so far yeah. away. And, and equally, do you want yeah. to compromise on what you want to give? You know, yeah. If if you were yeah. to know what was going to come, would you still want to not just give it everything yeah. and think, you know, I'm going to enjoy those years. So even if I'm absolutely screwed by the time I'm 45 <laughs> and dancers, oh my God, yeah. dancers, I, I, I have nothing but respect for dancers. They, 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 they give the most, they, they, they hurt the most, they get paid the least. They take the first bow, which is, to all intents and purposes is deemed kind of like the least important bow, right? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, and yet they just keep doing it. They just, they, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a great idea to actually turn that around. Well, um, the bands like, don't reflect don't reflect the level of effort put in. No, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's yeah. not effort yeah. level. Yeah, Reputation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People go on and do one number in an entire oh show. Oh my God, yeah. They're on for three minutes yeah. and I might get the last bow. Yeah. And, yeah. and might get the biggest audience reaction because yeah, yeah. Well, reputation, that, who that's knows. That's why we but, should all be doing Shakespeare bows. Yeah, yeah we haven't even delved into the Shakespeare you've done. I would love to uh, to jump into that. I'm not sure we've got. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want to keep you because we promised that we'd, we'd sort of keep this in a in a certain thing. But uh, well, I, it's up to you guys because you're the ones that have to do the. Editing. No, we're we're fine. It's just whether you have the studio. We do. Oh, we do. This is our we studio. Do. We're fine. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, <laughs> it's, let's let's talk about doing Shakespeare, Shakespeare. because there's this wonderful. Um, Almost, you know, it's kind of being demolished a little bit now with people like Hannah Waddingham kind of coming into the, the forum and going, you know, standing on that stage and going, hey guys, you know, you can employ music theatre people to do other that things. That was lovely, mm. wasn't it? Thank goodness, yeah. on that kind of scale. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But so, you know, when you have somebody, you know, you've done plays yourself as well, Frankie, as well, that it's a really good example for people of going, hey, you, you, you could, there are fantastic actors in music theatre you know so when you're sat there going i've done all, a bunch of shakespeare tours pouring over some of the, the roles that you've played you know can you just tell us a little bit about that and perhaps the importance of it you think for for making a good music theatre performer like the, the acting behind it well first off just to point out in america there's no such kind of delineation I mean, yeah. you're a performer mm. you're a performer mm. and crossing over is uh, i mean if anything it's just because it's competition that might prevent you it's not because you stay in that cubby hole yeah. You know, I don't know why. We're a bit they, cliquey here. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. They just seem yeah. to go. And I think it's also people's view of musical theatre. Mm -hmm. that They don't mm -hmm. deem it to be uh, deep, you yeah. know, which is just <laughs> ridiculous. Now, when there's, there's as many bad plays as there are bad musicals out there, you know. Um, but the, the wonderful irony for me, Shakespeare-wise, is that it was Rob Ashford who really got me onto that path because he was... He became a director. He was a choreographer. Mm. He choreographed Guys and Dolls, and Michael Grandage had said to him, I think you should direct. Um, when we were, when he was going to co-direct uh, the Scottish play with Kenneth Branagh, he brought us musical theatre people in because he recognised that not only, okay, it helped us Scottish, <laughs> yeah. but, but, but he knew that we had, we certainly had miles on the clock in terms of stage experience, but also that we were capable of going to the places required for these parts. Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, I mean, to me, Shakespeare's just almost like singing. <laughs> it, it, it pretty much is. It's got, it's got a tempo. Mm. It's got all this incredible kind of um, musical dynamicism to it in terms of uh, breath control, in terms of crescendo, uh, um, but also uh, it's, it's just the juiciest, um, the juiciest language you can ever, as a performer, wrap your mouth and your head and your soul around. Yeah. I, I really do. I, I, it, to me, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's like a religion uh, in, in the, the dependency, the, the, the faith that you can put into this and what it gives back to you. Um, and I think it's a shame if kids ever step away from that, especially as performers, because it, it expands your mind, man. It really, really does. And mm. um, Ian Holm called it jewels in the mouth. Yeah. You know, when you get some of that speech in your in your body, it will take you places that you never felt. 
mm. you were capable of as an actor and with a good director of course yeah, I, I'm, I'm fortunate my my girlfriend uh, humours me when I start reciting sonnets at home and she's like, she's like he's off again he's like, oh. like, okay fine fine is she in the business as well she's a, a performer as well yeah primarily yeah. Uh, dancing is perhaps her foremost skill I hope she wouldn't mind me saying that um, <laughs> yeah so when when the sonnets come out she's like here we go oh <laughs> what a beautiful thing that you do though uh hopefully i don't yeah. think i've ever mentioned that on here <laughs> <laughs> i know that, I yeah. know that. <laughs> do you like flick the book and then just say stop and then pick one uh, or... normally yeah i mean I, I teach some shakespeare stuff too to students in drama schools and uh, oh, fantastic going through so it's uh yay yeah. just keep the Keep the faith. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and trying to, and it's music theatre students too, so I teach acting to them. Yeah. Because that was my, my training. It's part of why I maybe asked that question that I, I, I trained as an actor going in and, you know, my career has been musicals and and plays in that same, and, and like you said, I've done some bad plays as well as good plays. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and so it, I, for me, they're the same. You know, of and, course and, they are. And when I see a musical that I think is perhaps not so good, it's usually because the, the actor, Acting element isn't there. I think you mm. can sell a dodgy song with some good acting. I think you I can. Agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agree. <laughs> yeah, that was a voice of experience. Yeah. There. <laughs> <laughs> definitely done it. You yeah. can make a dodgy song sound fantastic. <laughs> yeah. But um, also, my play, my musical is actually a play with music, but I think we're calling it a musical on the commercial side of things, really. Yeah. So I guess if it has 10 songs. It's yeah. a musical, right? And really, you can you, we'll try and make that distinction now. Like, you know, War Horse has a bunch of songs in it, but yeah. is it a musical? Like, mm. like it's whatever will sell better. Perhaps. Well, I don't yeah. know. We'll see. We'll see. You, you I, still, I, like, you I like calling it a play with music. Sounds posher. Yeah, <laughs> it's play with music. We're in that place. Um, what was I going to say? We also have something in common in that uh, you, did, you did the UK tour of Joseph. Oh, yes, point. when I was 17. <laughs> did you also get fired by Bill Kennedy? <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that. That's fantastic. No, I, I also did the that uh, that Kenwright UK tour. Oh, did you do um, 12 shows a week? You did it together, didn't you? We did. We've done Joseph together, but not the Kenwright version. We, oh. did, the, we did the Palladium one together in town. Uh, it was meant to be pre-COVID, was moved to after COVID. Yep. And then Bobby did that one on tour after that. But then when I was 21, I did the, the Ken Wright. Ken Wright, 12 shows a week. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I was a narrator. I was yeah. 17. And by um, show eight, I was doing my, what we call the Rex Harrison performance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but, but what else are you meant to do? Uh, like, yeah, it, was, it was written for a man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and they, did they shift the keys around for you? Or was no, that before they did the that? original. Because yeah. they now... Well, Do they shift them? They shift Damn them. It. The keys oh, right. yeah. it depends on <laughs> who it is. Well so, so the Palladium one was was shifted around wherever the wherever the person wanted it. But but the the Kenwright one still at the time was was not so much. Was it the same when you're doing twelve shows a week? We had yeah. some. If you went up late, you would come down in the half of the next <laughs> show, <laughs> and we're there in our split sole white capizios, oh. living the dream, like, putting on the costume from the start of the show that oh. has not been dried. Oh. It's still sweaty, and you know, they're like. Let's go oh again, then. <laughs> Ruben. I'm really, grateful, I'm really grateful for that show. And I'm grateful that Bill fired me. And he, he also loved... I mean, he, I, I'm very sad that um, Bill has died, actually. Really like Bill. But um, he um, 
he's happy that he fired me too because I wouldn't have got Starlight and I wouldn't have got Les Mis. I'd have been too busy touring. Doing that. So we we so can't it worked out to my really advantage. Worked out, yeah. Why did you get yeah. fired? What? Because I couldn't do 12 shows a week. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't had a singing lesson then, so I actually did take singing lessons after that. I was also smoking. I'm oh, trying to do yeah. them right to 12 shows a week. You know. It's such a hard vocal. Yeah, it's a brutal one. Track. I'm like, very glad. Yeah. Incidentally, <laughs> I stopped smoking then and haven't smoked since. But everyone does think I'm a smoker. You've got that quality. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I mean, I was only smoking like one or two cigarettes or something, so I was trying to be big, 17. But, um... but that's what people did, right? Especially if you danced. Oh, it was like, God, yeah. If you danced, you smoked. Yeah. Yeah. After every audition, I used to... Like, yeah. that was my post-coital. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so auditions, yeah. Uh, oh. Quick and disappointing. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, so, you know, on a plug level, you know, when we're going back to the plug of Frankie and Bosey, um, mm. we might, it's not definite, we might do Edinburgh Festival. With this oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Be, so <sighs> that might good. happen. That would be amazing. Yeah. It would be fun, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it would be. A lot yeah. of work. A lot of work. Yeah. 12 shows a week, maybe. <laughs> we'll see you there. Yeah. The, the trailer for it looks wicked and, and also the, people find all that on, online and we'll link it in the yeah, episode. Yeah. Thank you. Too. Thank you. Um, Absolutely. I guess, because you've done so many interviews in your in your careers, right? And, and so many things. I wonder if you could tell us something that maybe people don't know. Ooh. We should have asked us that earlier. <laughs> <laughs> we'll pause everything. Yeah, you will pause everything. <laughs> okay. While you think. <laughs> we'll, Bobby, if I asked you, while they think, could yeah. you tell people listening something they don't know? Something they don't... About you. Know. Not like just a piece of science. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just rack out some science. Um, okay, let me think of something that I don't, that people wouldn't know about me. Uh, I'm, well, some people may not know about, about me. I'm half Czech. <laughs> okay. Not many people know that about me. So that is, uh, I yeah. did. You did. Oh, I you did. did. You did. <laughs> no, I didn't. There you go. Bye. I didn't know your name until an hour exactly. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> but well, I can tie in with that. My mother is uh, Bosnian. Okay. Yeah, she's from former Yugoslavia. Ah. A lot of people don't know. They probably think I'm just out and out Scottish, but yeah. I am not. I'm a half breed. Have you ever had one of those DNA things done? Yes. How was it? There was no Scottish. <laughs> what? what? Were you, there was no Scottish. Were you mortified? <laughs> I was bamboozled. Absolutely like, what the f- You're like, Dad? Uh, <laughs> Mom? <laughs> it was 47% English. There was no Scottish and there was 1.6% Balkan. That's my mum. Mm. So I'm like, so where's all this other stuff coming from? Whoa. I was more Italian Greek than I was any um, Scottish or or, or, or Balkan. So you wow. can imagine the email that I had sent. <laughs> <laughs> I think this one was called 23andMe. So it's, oh, yeah. it's not yeah. Ancestry.com. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I got this really lovely phone call from a guy in Israel who said, look, um, it's not exactly an exact, it's not an exact science, right? Yeah. You mm-hmm. could go back to these results in a year's time and find that they've changed. I'm like, okay, but you know, this is a, this is kind of odd that I, there is absolutely no Scottish in there. And he said, well, sometimes also you get throwback genes. So it's not just your mum and your dad. It's what's gone before. Right. Even though there's still no English anywhere as far as I can <laughs> find in, in my, in my tree. So um, I haven't looked at it recently to see if it's changed at all, but 
Yeah, so that was a. I, I just genuinely did say, <laughs> you're like, good mom. Cool. <laughs> okay. I can't think of anything that nobody knows. I don't know if the, I've, I haven't really hidden anything. You look so mischievous oh. right now. Up to something. I haven't hidden anything at all. I can't think of anything that's really. I mean, she's always coming up with really kind of fascinating stories that she yeah. always then kind of goes, oh, it's not that important. You know, yeah, she's you try- always say, well, write it down, put it yeah, in your book. She's trying to do a book about her mom, you know, Sylvia mm. Young, because yeah. she's got this inc- book, incredible story. A movie. And a movie. Right, yeah. Oh, wow. But hers is just as fascinating. You know, it's not quite the same origin story, but in terms of who you've, who have you hung out with and who you've snogged and uh, <laughs> you know that, that, people love that juice right yeah. yeah you know in the states they think snog means having sex by the way oh. snog means oh. having a nice sort of juicy kiss you think snog means sex Yes. Wow. I got in rock oh, trouble that with an ex-boyfriend there <laughs> 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 gee they cannot yeah, go on that is that's great like, okay yes I mean I would read that book. Except <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of anything right now that you don't well, know about. I tell you what, um, the one thing, <laughs> so, w- the first time I met Frankie's uh, s- uh, kids, um, she disappeared Oh to, no, don't tell she me. Disappeared, <laughs> she disappeared. It's not true. Well, we don't okay. know. No! <laughs> she went to the bathroom <laughs> and they went, do you know that the song Kiss from a Rose by Seal is about our mum? <laughs> <laughs> They think it is, it's not. They think it Even is. Even if it's not, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's fantastic. I know. <laughs> but, but you can at least tell them why no. they think that. Yeah. Yes, you can. Oh. Come on, this is exactly what this podcast is all about. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I did hang out with him for a bit. Um, we were in the Next Door studios while he was doing that album and I was doing another album. And uh, we went to the Brit Awards together and it was Valentine's Day. And we came back to my house with a whole group of people and I cooked pasta at three in the morning for everybody and we had a lovely evening. We did have a little kiss, okay? Um, <laughs> and, a snog, uh, you might say. Was it a snog? It was a snog, okay? When I got back, there was a beautiful bouquet of red roses and the whole garden was lit up with snow. That is the only thing... I think that's enough. That, yeah, that feels pretty conclusive. That but is, he right? may, no, but he was <laughs> recording. <laughs> he was recording that album at the time. He may have already written that song, so it. So he may have at least. Sung it might it have been a, maybe a couple of lyrics were inspired by the roses and the and the snow, but not me. I Surely not. You to a kiss from a. Okay. <laughs> I can't believe you said that. <laughs> well, you left the space open. <laughs> <laughs> I, I merely stepped in. <laughs> I love it. Oh uh, God. Well, want to want to get in the bin? Yeah, why not? Uh, is there anything about fitness, health, wellness, or the industry that you would like to see get in the bin? The industry? Yeah, you can throw the industry. You can throw the entire industry in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> You can did ask us to prepare this, and I didn't. <laughs> well, I was going to say something as simple as fad diets. You know, yeah, like just, yeah, you yeah. know, just 
Because, you know, I just think it's utterly ridiculous. I mean, we, we've evolved over thousands and thousands of years. It's simple, uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's simple arithmetic. It's, it's calorific deficit, right? You want to lose weight, stop putting in as many calories, uh, you know, that, that your body can't yeah. burn. I, that's overly simplifying. But I, I, I listened to uh, Ranjan Chatterjee, Four oh, Pillar yes. Plan. yeah. I think he's covered everything in there. It's, I think it's, it's worth worth anybody having a, a read of that in terms of diet, exercise, meditation, sleep, all those kind of things. But you know, um, I think you're right though. It's the fad diets that that they then get into the brain. Hmm. I mean, I'll, I'll go back to a, a little bit of history when I was in Starlight before I was in Starlight Express when I did the workshop. Um, I was sent to a diet doctor at the age of seventeen. And I was put on diet pills wow. by the production. Just saying. And that didn't start me off in a good way for having a healthy attitude to food. And I feel like I'm, I've got, I, I am lucky actually. I think my metabolism is reasonably, reasonably good like throughout my life. And now I'm in my late 50s. It's really hard for me to keep, I can't have the teenage body I had. It, well, I could probably if I worked hard at it, but it, it's not easy. Um, but I do think the fad diet thing in, in back then in the 80s, we we used to have like books with different diets in and it was like the avocado diet. Let's do that today. Let's do that. It was, yeah. you know, you were focused on food and the Beverly Hills diet. I don't know if you heard of that. Mm-hmm. We did that. My my sister did very well on that, got very skinny and then very ill. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Unsurprising. <laughs> That's it. I'd love to just pick your brains a little bit more about that because... You know, a fad diet usually just cuts out a whole huge either food groups or huge chunks of what you're taking. Yeah. So you result in that outcome that you're in a deficit for, let's say you cut out carbs, it's because you're not taking in as much food. Because mm-hmm. realistically, if you just eat protein and, and <laughs> uh, you're a little fat, you're like, well, you're not eating very much then. Right? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so really yeah. ultimately like, it is a calor- calories are the thing really, I yeah. think. I agree with you. But I also did the uh, the keto diet and I put on about half a stone. And I don't think to this day I've ever really, I can get it off, but it keeps going back. Mm. You know, I'm always, I'm always talking about stuff like that. And I wish I just blanked it out, but it's become a bit of a thing in my life. I can see how it becomes a vicious cycle though. Mm. You can get kind of really kind of wrapped up in this belief that there is a magic kind of pill or something out there is going to do the work for you but well there is all these injections at the moment but they're not very healthy you know it's very worrying that people are taking that stuff I understand some people are fighting their DNA though you know there's there's two there's there's DNA and there's your uh, sorry go on I was going to say there is a place for those injections there is a place they yeah. have they, for, they yeah, serve yeah, yeah. a purpose for but certain people for yeah. the wider Especially population yes no no no, like, no, no, no. and it's, that's how they're being marketed by a lot of companies and how like things like TikTok and Instagram are pushing them as the solution and they're not and the it's, solution it's much worse in America yeah we're going to do the Zoe we've, we've oh, yeah. it. we're starting Zoe fascinating mm. we're going to start it on the no. 16th or the 17th. it was meant to be tomorrow but um, um, we're, yeah, we're, we're, we're not going to be in the same oh, we're going to do it together you're and we're not in the same city tomorrow first couple of weeks uh, <laughs> oh, just, really just, why, why tell me why I, because so, they will they will remove a whole bunch of stuff from your diet in order to find out how it spikes your glucose that's one of the first things that they'll do so you'll end up they'll send you bits of food to eat or We've tell you what I've got a dinner party yeah. on, the, on the second day I've just remembered I mean, still not anymore <laughs> <laughs> no, we might have to start a no, day no, later no. well yeah 
I, it does say for, for two weeks, then you eat normally. And then they. When do you eat normally? The first, normally? The first two weeks, you don't depends, eat normally. It depends. So uh, <laughs> you'll have to check what you. Have you done it? Uh, no, I've just had a bunch of clients who've come on board who are, either are doing it or have oh, done it previously. Okay. Right, 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 right. So I've got one client who's doing it now, in spite <clears> of my recommendations. <laughs> um, so the, the food they send you tends, because it doesn't have a whole bunch of ingredients in it they try and make it look nice but it probably won't taste that nice yeah yeah but it's to serve a different purpose it'd be yeah. fascinating to hear that, you for, the, that isn't yeah. for the first two weeks here that's just the first day isn't it there's one uh, day of eating the, muffins w- the first day is just just the the thing they send you and that's yeah. that's like, like cookies or misery anything. but then it's yeah. rapidly better we watched somebody do it and they had three big muffins they had to have for breakfast and yeah. then yeah. you have two and then you have one and it did look like hard work. Delicious. Fascinating. I would love to find out a little bit more about that uh, another We're time. We're going to film ourselves having it. That's what we want to be together. Yeah, It'd be yeah, quite yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah that'd be fascinating. Yeah. That'd be yeah. fascinating. And, and just to jump back to that that 17-year-old, you getting that, that being told the to go. diet pill. Two questions. How, how and why did that come about? That's actually one question I've disguised it. <laughs> and then what do you think the effect of that has been on you since then? Well, it came about because it was the 80s and everyone, was, the, the fashion then was to be skinny straight up and down. And I've always had a bit of, you know, some thighs on me. And um, I was only about eight stone four or something. and 17. And, but... I was told I needed to get skinnier for the show. Wow. I mean, it was just straightforward, that. Mm-hmm. And, of course, then I didn't even realise that I was even fat. But suddenly I saw myself as being fat. I, I was lucky I never became anorexic or bulimic or anything like that, but I, I still had a mental problem with food. I mean, I've, I didn't stop me eating it, <laughs> but I, but I, you know, I, or, or more of a mental problem about my image, I think. Mm. And that was all before. Can you imagine that? You know, now with all the Instagram and everything. But I think also, I don't want to like blame the producers. I think that's what they did. Then they didn't realise it was going to be such. It would affect my mental health. And, that. and is this even before the show got going? This is this when is you would have even burnt calories anyway. Yeah, because yeah. it's an exhausting show. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it was before madness. <clears throat> uh, it is, it is madness. Hopefully, that's going away. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> no, no blame to anyone. It was, no, they, I don't think they realised. Well, also at it's the time, it was more common, yeah. right? And and uh, so it's not. We're not going. Oh God, those people. How how dare they? To a certain extent, you know, we're viewing it through today's lens, which mm-hmm. is yeah, yeah, which yeah, is yeah, yeah. Worth, worth yeah, going. Yeah. You can't. It was fine then. Yeah, in I think it's bad for you. You know, I think it's like speed. Well, it's awful. Oh, it's bit. usually those pills are just horrific. Loads and loads and loads of caffeine is the primary mm. ingredient in there, so it just ramps up the amount of caffeine you take in during the day. And if you were dancing, then you were smoking and probably drinking a lot of coffee, or at least perhaps if you I were, weren't. Yeah, by the, by the tea you had earlier on, I was like, maybe not for you. But for most, I stopped the one cigarette a day, and <laughs> by that point, you're fine. But like for most yeah. people, if they're taking in any caffeine in any other way, then you're you are at some Lovely risk. Oh, shit. Danger. Yay. Yay. Uh, moving on. Yeah. Do you have any advice to people that would be entering the industry now? I think it's a tricky thing, this whole thing of entering it now. I think it was hard enough when we entered it. Um, 
But now it's so hard because it, I mean, I, I have to admit, I think there are more talented people now than there were mm -hmm. because everybody watches these shows on TV, the pop idols and all that sort of stuff, practice in their bedroom. They all can sing. Everyone can sing if they want to sing and they do it. And there's some brilliant, brilliant people out there and so, so much competition that the advice I give is absolutely like uh, Bozy said earlier, um, make sure you have other things in your life that you love that you can do. It's so important to create and do other things. You know, it's not all about uh, being on the stage. I know we've been lucky, so it's hard. It, it's horrible for me to give the advice mm -hmm. as I've been on the stage and had some success. but. I think you've got to remember it's about today, enjoy today and enjoy your life because this career is just with the hope, constantly having hope is just not very healthy. Um, but don't not do it. And if you're talented, definitely do it. It's a shame to waste that time. <laughs> but, 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 you know, but you can't be guaranteed and it's so, so competitive. Yes, isn't it? It's, it's, so, it's, it's a shame to sound so kind of down on the whole thing, but on, only because, you know, we've all witnessed how many uh, colleges and schools there are now um, churning out students every year to varying degrees of, of, of skill. But because um, we know what it feels like to want to really do something, you know, mm. and you don't want to dissuade, you don't want to taint uh, that passion. So, yeah, uh, I mean, look, if anything, still at least have a sense of your own uniqueness. Don't try to be like anybody else. Because if, if anything, if you do make it, then you can know that it is because it's who you are and not any kind of pretense. But, yeah, have. I, I think the thing to, I was told by, I'm going to, I'm so name droppy this. Thing, <laughs> but, um, for musical theatre people, anyway, uh, Michael John Lacusa, who wrote The Wild Party, mm. So um, I was feeling a bit low when I first moved to New York and um, he said to me, just create every day, create every day. And I did. And that's when I started writing. As that's well. beautiful. But yeah. um, I think it's important to remember, you know, why you're here. What is it because you want to be famous? Because I'm sure you can do that, but that's not probably the best way of being happy. I've always said success is longevity. It's still saying 28, 28 years later that you're doing it. Um, yeah, that you can still do it. Yeah. But, mm. but but just create every day and, and enjoy it. Like creating doesn't mean that you're performing, doesn't mean that you're writing. It could be anything. I mean, I, I also create at home. Don't yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, think that's, I think that's yeah. beautiful advice because when we consider what do we get out of doing what we do, yeah, it, it, it's, it's how it makes us feel to be creating, to be to, to be um, singing, to, to be communicating in a way that uh, I think um, is beyond reality, you know, because mm. <clears throat> art expands your mind, it expands your soul, it expands your heart. So, and they always say, do it for you, don't do it for other people. I think David Barry says, the minute you start doing it for, uh, for someone else, it it's, no not longer, art. it's no longer art, yeah. you know? I do feel like there's a lot of that in the theatre business as well, especially if you have to do a show and you're told you do this, do that, especially you're covering something. It's a lovely job, so I'm not dissing it, but it's just depends what you want. It depends what makes you happy, you know. Yeah, and that's something you were saying, that you know, you've covered a bunch of people and then stepped in to take over those roles, like like Sky, for instance. Is that 
you know, creatively and, and right at the start of this, you were chatting about um, being able, you realised you were able to create. Is that something that you've really sort of experienced during that time? That maybe, uh, well, it, of course, it, it depends on the production. Yeah, no, yeah. there is the creativity. Yeah. Mm. I mean, look, you know, I did Mamma Mia twice. Like, I did it 12 years ago. I went back and look, you're, you're, you're constrained to a certain extent, right? But they do afford something of who you are to come through in the part. And um, uh, I, I don't mean to decry takeover roles because they are incredible. Yeah. Um, it's a di bit different with Les Mis. I think because it's music from beginning to end, you can't really do much more with it. But your voice will bring something. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, and you will still learn plenty by 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 playing those parts or by watching your peers alongside you and stuff. So you know, no, I'm 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 not saying there's anything against uh, uh, taking over and, and any lack of creativity there, but when I reached a point where Frankie was asking, "Shall we do a show together?" and I went, "I've only ever done takeover roles," and I thought, "But hold on, I've also, you know, for 28 years, one has been still kind of uh, uh, doing it in one's head and one in mm. one's uh, it's it's an expansion of oneself, isn't it? I've mm. been developing as a yeah. human being and creatively I, I will have been doing things so I could sit down with Frankie and say okay let's do something and actually we've created something I think is a wonderful hybrid of our two careers um, and if anything we know theatre <laughs> you know yeah, we know yeah. what an audience likes yeah. and doesn't yeah. like we know that what, what we, we should try and get out of uh, an audience in terms of wanting them to feel something, you know, not just sit and watch and listen, you know. So, yeah. yeah. I think they're such different skills. Sorry if that question um, was worded poorly. You know, if you, when you're taking over or understudying, it's, which I've done plenty of, I know you have too, yeah. that were, you know, it would be so easy to just copy what came before or yeah. what's mm. on there each night. And the, the task is the opposite, right? It's to go... No, I'm going to bring my version yeah. and fit it in these constraints. Yeah. In the yeah. same way with Lemis, like you said, you go, well, these are the constraints. What do I bring to this? Yeah. So, like, Sometimes they make hard. it hard for you, though, don't they? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Which yeah. is not nice. I'm going to let you off the hook. Your question wasn't poorly worded. It was actually, it, it was talking about my own insecurity. So as somebody that's um, always felt very, very lucky to be doing what I do, when I step into a role, I've never pushed the envelope, really. I've never tried to do anything differently because it's not really been, I'm not like this one here, who is who is an artist through and through. You know, I've never really pushed things in that respect. So when I was taking over, I wasn't going to rock no boats. I wasn't going to try and be anything really, really different, not in those early days, you know, because you just want to do the job that's asked of you. And of course, you want to keep working, you know. Mm. But um, you know, don't put a cap on your creativity if you feel that you got some. Yeah. The, the, what's the worst they can do? Say so don't do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Give me yeah. Yeah. Say, no. yeah. All right. Yeah. No, but you wrote a poem this Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> there was a girl called Frankie. Yeah. <laughs> I want some more of that. <laughs> no, no, no. no, we um, no, and also. Um, so I write poems, he writes poems. We um, also, um, when I've been writing my plays, I've been getting feedback from Bosey, which has been really, really helpful. In fact, that's how we sort of got together is in a romantic way, because um, he 
read my play and gave me some great feedback. Really helpful. Can you imagine the trust that somebody's given, like somebody like Frankie's given you when she says, "Can you read my play?" No, it's because no, nobody else would read. It. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not true. It's so extraordinary yeah, yeah. as well. It's when, yeah. when it's your yeah. creation, you know, I, I love writing poetry as well, and and to to show it or or, or allow somebody to read it, any kind of creation that you've yeah. written or songs. Yeah. Mm. Oh. You did it in front of my whole family. I did, I did. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> we won't mention it. Yeah. Yeah, but this is back to the point. You don't do it for anybody else initially. You do it for yourself because mm. it's something it feels like you just have to do. And then, of course, what, what we hope, I mean, you will have started this podcast as doing something because you want to do it. You have a connection with each other and you bring an energy that's combined and you put it out there and you hope a person or two is going to like it. Yeah. If it turns out to, to, to snowball, then that's even, that's, that's the incredible reward that you get from it, isn't it? I mean, nobody like Bob Dylan or David Bowie ever set out to do something to entertain the masses. They did their own thing. They, they had their own voice, their own sense of creativity. And they were, they were creators, you know, they were unique, mm. you know, nobody could ever ever uh, kind of accuse them of pandering yeah or of that's the word isn't it you don't want to pander yeah yeah no i love that yeah. and, uh, mm. yes it's true we were when we started out we were like i don't think anyone's gonna listen to this <laughs> but we'll do it anyway <laughs> you record it and then you just let it out oh, there and you're like of course of course on the first day it goes out and you're like oh six people have listened uh, like within an hour and you're like Okay, <gasps> yeah, that's good. And then six people. And then, yeah. and then now we're in the, this wonderful position that we are mm. now, and that's that's no, it's incredible. It's super lovely yeah. to be in that place, and you know, have wonderful guests come in like yourselves yeah. all the time. Um, now, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know yeah, where yeah, that came yeah, yeah. from. <laughs> it just happens. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but as, as best you can, try not to change your facial expressions when I say this next bit. Okay. We'll look away from you as well in this moment. I love that the mittens are on. Oh, the mittens. Um, uh, we, we are now going to guess whether you have managed to successfully put in a lie. And this was all on you now, Norman. Um, <laughs> and if so, what we think the lie was, and if you're listening at home or wherever you might be, encourage you to take a moment, reflect... Oh. Think back on what it might be. Um, Bobby, do you think that there's been a lie? No, I don't. Okay. I, if there has been a lie, I think it was that there was no Scottish. Oh, nice. And that it was expertly weaved That would in. be incredible if that's the lie. But... I am also leaning yeah. towards none. The reason I think none, because I'd forgotten about Liar Liar. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Would you tell us, did you manage to tell us a lie? I didn't. <laughs> we'll take that. We'll take that. I'm happy with that. Yeah. Uh, I'm so sorry about that. I, kind of, I feel what? supremely honest in this game. <laughs> and I thought, who could, I didn't want to throw somebody under the bus by you know, causing a piece of scandal that didn't actually exist. <laughs> At least we get to go, it's not true. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. 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 Uh, should we move on? Yeah. Should we play a game of this or that? Oh. What about me? Did I lie or not? Oh, you oh, said you weren't going to. Ah. Oh. But did I? Now I think you did. Yeah, now that you're leading <laughs> us to that you did. And in which case I have no yeah, clue. I'm, I'm lost. <laughs> let's still go now. Yeah, let's go now. I didn't snog Rufy. <laughs> ah, that's a great so you lie. That, the, 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 I fully believe that. I mean, I love her, but I, we haven't had a snog yet. And yeah, there's still time. Yeah, but, there's but plenty I, of time. Because at the start you said we'll put all of that onto Norman, so I was like, okay, we're <laughs> yeah, not yeah. expecting. I think I just said, 
Yeah, did I say I wasn't well, going to lie? Or she said she felt bad about lying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't yeah, say I yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah. Right? Well, 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 it's well, a good lie. go back and find out I did lie about what I said. But yeah, and, and we're in the, this play within a play version. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everyone's lying. I lied about the fact I was going to lie. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember, I can't remember what I said that exactly. Life, that was the lie. God, that's quite a good way out of it. Um, <laughs> let's let's start off because we're going to do this or that. Yeah, I love this. Do you, I think we should maybe start off with, with you, Norman, because Fine. some of the questions are the same, and you said it would, perhaps yeah. hearing them the first time yeah. will give you a oh, moment yeah. to think. Yeah, with my rehearsal. She, she no should go in a booth. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, Mr. Mrs. Yes. something to you. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Um, okay, let me get a minute on the clock. Hold on. There'll be a minute. I'm going to fire through these as best as I can. Uh, you're very quick when you when you did Sebastian you were like, <laughs> you are very good at doing this quickly I couldn't even take them in no, you no, said that now it's like under pressure I'll warm up here okay are we ready yes okay three two one go eggs or bacon eggs white bread or brown bread right. the US office or friends friends cardio or resistance training cardio McDonald's or Burger King McDonald's singing or acting uh, singing Macbeth or Midsummer Night's Dream Oh, uh, yoga or Pilates? Pilates. Family Guy or Love Island? Family Guy. Domino's Pizza or Papa John's? Yeah, Domino's. Sport or dance? Dance. Alcohol or chocolate? <laughs> chocolate. Matching socks or mismatching socks? Miss. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Danny Zuko or Sky Masterson? Danny Zuko. Game of Thrones or Glee? Oh, Glee. Books or Kindle? Books. Clean shaven or beard? Clean. Personal chef or personal stylist? <laughs> Personal what? Personal chef or chef, personal stylist? Oh, uh, personal chef. Opening night or press night? <laughs> oh, opening night. Sexy or smart? Sexy. <laughs> Shower or bath? Shower. Ewan McGregor or Patrick Swayze? Oh! It's oh. brutal. <laughs> that is awful. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ewan. Swayze baby. Swayze said dogs or babies? Babies. <laughs> <laughs> Snakes or badgers? Ba badgers. Theme park or water park? Theme park. Running or walking? Okay. Director or choreographer? Director. Oh, choreo! <laughs> Bobby or Stefan? Oh! Boban. 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 Well done. Well done. Okay. One I, could, I could feel almost your oh. stress on the side of that too. Great. I still didn't take in half of that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I meant to get it within a minute. Yes. That's, oh, that's wow. the goal. But, but I won't. But but one minute 18 is good. It's not a rule, it's there for fun, so we're in a... Have you ever managed it within a minute? Yes, we've had some people down to... Two seconds? Someone got it in 42 seconds. Okay, well, you get you get the benefit of this. No, I won't, because I'll be so Only three of them are different. Okay, but I didn't even hear some of them. And if it's slow, I'll make it much clearer. I'm sorry, I got your personal chef demand. I'll try Which I actually do have. She's amazing. <laughs> like, I'm right. Yes, creating, you see, every day. It's creating. Yes. It's an epic skill. Right. All right. Ready? Three, two, one, go. Eggs or bacon? Eggs. White bread or brown, brown. bread? The US office or friends? Friends. Cardio or resistance training? Resistance. McDonald's or Burger King? McDonald's. Singing or acting? Singing. Broadway or West End? Broadway. Yoga, yoga or Pilates? Um, yoga. Family Guy or Love Island? The family Guy. Domino's Pizza or Papa John's? Domino's. Sport or dance? Dance. Alcohol or chocolate? Alcohol. Matching socks or mismatching socks? Uh, matching. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Eponine or Queenie? <laughs> Queenie, fuck it. Game of Thrones or Glee? <laughs> Glee. Books or Kindle? Books. Clean shaven or weird? Clean. Personal chef or personal stylist? Stylist. Opening night or press night? Opening. Sexy or smart? 
Sexy. Shower or bath? Shower. Crazy cocks or the Green Room 42? Crazy cocks. Dogs or babies? Babies. Snakes or badgers? Snakes. Theme park or water park? Theme. Running or walking? Walking. Director or choreographer? Director. Bobby or Stefan? Both. Hey! <laughs> 58 seconds! Oh! <laughs> 20 seconds quicker. 58 seconds. <laughs> you said you were going to be crowded. Yeah, but I did hear it before. She'd prep the first couple of I didn't realise how much I had taken in. Uh, but thank you. But that's right. I paved the way. And some surprises in there. I feel like anyone that has kids, when you say dogs or babies, they're like, I have to say babies. It's funny how many times we've thought about who's going to hear this. Yeah. influence the answer. My dog is old, 13, and... I mean, I was up in the middle of the night when oh, he was sick today. and He stepped in so shit last night just before we got to bed. And this morning he was sick on the bedroom floor. And it's like having Honestly, babies. And, but he's 13 years old. He's a cantankerous little shit. He stands behind you when you turn and you stumble on him. He snarls at you and you're like, get away from me then. <laughs> can, he still, can they still see? But he looks like, he can not see. that well. But he, can see. he can catch the ball, can't he? But he can't hear. Um, but he looks like butter wouldn't melt. So. He's all, he is also kind of sweet, but he he's an old man. What basically. type of dog is he? Half Westie, half Bichon, called a, uh, a Wichon. A Wichon. <laughs> a Wichon. A Westie Poo. No, so, not Westie Poo. Wichon, yeah. So quite, quite small. Uh, medium. Yeah, he's kind of small to medium. Yeah, he's Small to medium. Yeah. <laughs> that was the least important question I asked today. <laughs> important. Uh, no, important. <laughs> have any, anytime there's a dog mention, I'm like, there's a dog. Like you said, you, you might be bringing I, the yeah, dog. Yeah, my today. friend Sadie's oh. dog, um, Cherry, I look after sometimes, and I was meant to She's have her cute. today. But she wheezes every time she sees Frankie. She gets really excited. Oh. <laughs> Just goes, Psst. Oh. and even if she then goes away for two minutes, then comes back again. I know. So I have to go. She's back. Well, I know she's going to get excited again. I have to run to the front door and open the door and let her go out and then stroke her because then she can wee outside. Oh, that's <laughs> nice to somebody that loves you that yeah. much. Yeah. Imagine <laughs> that. Imagine that. Oh, so cute. Being a human. Well, thank you so, so much for coming to join us. Hey, thank you so like, much. Oh, pleasure. Yeah. Uh, if you're listening, check out Frankie's new music coming later this year. Oh, yeah. Um, so um, I also sing with my friends Sam Bonner and... Um, Sadie Frost, I said Sam Bonner, but she goes under the name of Sam Kelsa now. Um, and we're called Yin and Tonic, and we're doing feel-good, funky music this year, and it's coming Hell, out awesome. track by track on Spotify and all that stuff. Yeah, and you can find Brilliant. some stuff already, we had a listen, and, and the, the yoga videos The other too. stuff is, yeah, already out, yeah. Yeah, so find that ago. on there. And then you absolutely must book in for the Frankie and Bozy performances. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So I've got Manchester and London, London in February, and then obviously, as you mentioned, we might be expanding elsewhere. Mind bank, mind bank. Yeah, yeah, and it will be just, on, you know, just online you can find out. Yeah, February, yeah. March, it was frankieandbozy.com, right? Yeah, Bozy spelled like, you know, my bow. Yeah, B-E-E-A-O-S-Y. Fantastic. We'll put it in the description. Yeah, description. And yeah, thanks again to you two for your time and energy and all the wonderful things you've shared. So thank you so much. Thank you. It's been fun. And thank you at home or wherever you might be for listening. Absolutely. And if you've enjoyed the episode, click those like and subscribe buttons and find us on Instagram at fit underscore talk. As always, if you've got any questions you want answered, slip slide into those DMs. I'll be in there. 
doing something. Norman Bowman and your host, me, Stefan. And me, Bobby. And if you didn't like it, we've been Joe Wicks. Peace out. Yay. <laughs>